Hello, and welcome to Not Everyone's Cup of Tea, where we provide you with social commentary and public service announcements from unqualified experts on the questionable behavior of jerks. Today, we'll be discussing classic literature and how not to be a dick about it. Do you ever find yourself in a catch-22? Or do you ever get creeped out by targeted ads on social media and call Mark Zuckerberg Big Brother? Are you ever busy as a bee? Or you find yourself going down a YouTube rabbit hole? (laughs) You ever refer to a tough decision as a real Sophie's Choice? Well, for all those phrases, we can thank the authors of some of the famous books we're about to discuss that have made it onto the banned books list at one point or another. So why are some books considered classics? Why were we assigned to read them in high school? Are they just stories so well known they've woven themselves into American culture? Or are they books that have simply stood the test of time? We think they're stories whose themes are so universal that even if their language and subject matter are horribly outdated, their underlying themes are still groundbreaking. Think the moral of the story is. A hero overcomes adversity. But how do you have a hero if you're not allowed to have adversity? This is where the idea of book censorship starts to walk a fuzzy line. That's why we believe it's important to keep these books in school, where a teacher can help kids navigate these complicated issues and invite discussion. Now, I just want to say that I am not a rabid bibliophile like my sister here. I am not a curl up with a good book kind of person. I actually find it very hard to focus when holding a physical book. That's not to say that I don't love literature. So I discovered Audible a few years ago, and it's fantastic because its audiobooks are narrated by actors, not just like robot computer voices. So for the record, when I say that I read the book, I am most likely referring to paying the wonderful people at Amazon to read it out loud for me. And there's also Hoopla, which works through most public libraries, and you can just borrow an audiobook and listen to it right from an app on your phone for free. And I know this sounds like an ad, and it's totally not. I just really love audiobooks, and I wanted to share that. They have allowed me to catch up on all the books that I had embarrassingly enough skipped over. Shit, I even read all the Game of Thrones books. So first, we're going to talk about books that were banned by school boards. While we agree that some of these books are not appropriate for middle school students, think PG-13 type stuff, Banning them in high school is just ridiculous. According to the American Library Association, these are the most common reasons for censorship. Cultural sensitivity, racism, sexism, anti-family, nudity. Wait, 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 dude. How do you have nudity in a book? Maybe that's what's so alarming about it is that you don't get to see it. You have to, like, imagine it. Oh, okay. So we've also got offensive language. Other offensive items, you know, nice little catch-all there. Hmm. Abortion, drugs, alcohol, smoking, gambling, gangs, violence, suicide, homosexuality, sexually explicit, political viewpoints, religious viewpoints, the occult, Satanism, unsuited for age groups, inaccurate, technical errors, and other objections. So another nice big umbrella term for we don't like it. People for the American Way is a progressive advocacy organization founded to fight right-wing extremism and build a democratic society that implements the ideals of freedom, equality, opportunity, and justice for all. 
They found sexually explicit material was the most frequent cause of book challenges, while offensive language was responsible for the second highest number. For the most part, we agree that these were reasons to be upset, but does that mean that we shouldn't talk about it? Does ignoring the problem alleviate the problem? All right, so talking about what high school students should do, we'll just dive right in with a story about a high school student, Holden Caulfield, the poster boy for teenage angst and the protagonist of The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger, which had the unusual distinction of being the nation's most frequently censored book and, at the exact same time, the second most frequently taught novel in the public schools. It was challenged in an Indiana high school in 88 because the book is blasphemous and undermines morality. It was removed by a school board member in South Carolina in 2001 because, and I quote, it is a filthy, filthy book. Is that a technical term, filthy? But the main beef with this book was the vulgar language, sex, violence, and underage drinking. (laughs) I guess all the phonies on the school board acted like they didn't have fun in high school. But now, in most places, it is no longer considered as controversial as it once was. So it just lives on forever in infamy besides other Billy Joel shout-outs like On the Road and Stranger in a Strange Land. Okay, how about The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck? This one was challenged at a North Carolina high school in 1986 because the book is full of filth. There's that word again. Yeah, I wonder if this time, though, the filth was maybe the residue from the Dust Bowl. (laughs) This school board member went on that, My son is being raised in a Christian home, and this book takes the Lord's name in vain and has all kinds of profanity in it. Cool. Send him to Catholic school, then. We're talking about public schools where we have the separation of church and state. I can't afford private schools, so I will fight the whole country to adapt to my beliefs. It was later challenged in South Carolina schools in 91 because the book uses the name of Jesus and God in a vain and profane manner, along with inappropriate sexual references. Did anybody actually read this book? Because, yeah, it was depressing as shit because the depression was depressing. The Dust Bowl was bad? Huh. The characters felt like they were damned by God? Weird. I feel like I would probably take that as a personal smoting, too. Then we have The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Okay, so it was the Roaring Twenties, and it featured a group of Hampton socialites. So obviously there's going to be overindulgence and a little bit of manslaughter. To be fair, though, dude, I think that was the original garnish for the Tom Collins. (laughs) I I don't know. I just kind of thought the whole book was about wealth inequality and class structures. But I guess that's just the sociologist in me talking. So then we have another sexy book, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. It was removed from classrooms in Missouri in 1980 because it makes promiscuous sex look like fun. Kids all hopped up on Soma with contraceptives strapped to their belts like Batman. Soma was like a precursor to Molly, and those Malthusian belts were just basically like fanny packs. It's like he foretold Coachella. I'm seeing like an EDC kind of vibe. But so it was challenged in a California school district in 93 because it centered around negative activity. 
More specifically, parents objected that the character's sexual behavior directly opposed the health curriculum, which taught sexual abstinence until marriage. So I'm guessing sex ed was off the table at this school too. Hmm. So another school district in Idaho in 2008 objected that the book has too many references to sex and drug use. You know what? I don't even think that's true. I don't think it's about the sex and the drugs that people have a problem with. It's that they were really just exposing the Illuminati. (laughs) So superficial topics like this are often used for their relatability, but can obscure underlying themes if you're not paying attention. John Savage, the book's protagonist, also objected to the hedonistic society and said that it was just conformity. The censors might have realized that if they actually read the book. Okay, now what about To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee? Miss Lee was challenged in some Indiana schools in 81 because the book represents institutional racism under the guise of good literature. Yeah, it's exposing it. That's the point. It's supposed to upset you. Pretending that institutionalized racism is not a thing does not make it go away. Another case began in New Jersey in 2008, where people objected to having the book as part of high school English curriculum. The challenger had problems with how African Americans were treated in the novel and feared that the descriptions may upset black students who were reading that novel. Instead of banning the book, the school board voted unanimously to keep the book in the curriculum and instead responded to fears of upsetting black students with racial sensitivity training for teachers who use the novel in their classrooms. Thank you. Yeah. Let's recognize the problem and address it instead of just banning it and putting a bandaid on a bullet wound. Conversely, it was retained on an eighth grade reading list in an Arizona school district in 85, despite the protest by black parents and the NAACP who charged the book was unfit for junior high use. And I kind of agree with this, not with the banning of the book, but maybe middle school kids aren't ready for that. It was challenged more recently in Tennessee in 2006 because the book contains profanity and contains adult themes such as sexual intercourse, rape, and incest. The complainants also contend that the book's use of racial slurs promotes racial hatred, racial division, racial separation, and promotes white supremacy. BT dubs, Tennessee was one of the four states to outlaw critical race theory, so maybe they're just cool with ignoring history. So I just recently reread this book, and although I don't like the use of this word, I don't believe that it was used as just acceptable jargon in the novel. The N-word is used as an insult, and it is in no way glorified. In fact, Scout gets in lots of fights and Atticus has to teach her to ignore people and their ignorant insults, which is a big lesson from that book. If you just look at the superficial fact that the word was used and not why it was used and what lessons we can learn by the effects of its usage, then it really wouldn't be such a big deal that Atticus was defending a black guy unless the author was able to show why that was a big deal at that time. Again, we cannot have a hero overcome adversity if we cannot show some uncomfortable adversity. But then again, let's look at the fact that the story is told through the eyes of an eight-year-old girl, who, by the way, 
discusses how her family may or may not be inbred and how her classmates often have lice. So, I mean, this kind of gives you an idea of what kind of white trash Scout Finch is shaping up to be. So maybe we take it with a grain of salt when she uses words that would be considered ignorant in today's world. But anyway, I digress. There was one part in the book where Scout is at school and they're talking about current events. And now it's 1935, so the current events are World War II. Or just about. Anyway, so somebody's talking about Hitler and the teacher says, Hitler is bad. It is so bad that he persecutes the Jews. Nobody should ever persecute somebody based on their race. So Hitler's bad. And now Scout's like, wait a second, this doesn't add up. She goes home and asks Atticus, why is this teacher bitch like all for persecuting black guys down at the courthouse? But now she wants to say that Hitler's bad for doing the same thing. I don't get it. It doesn't add up. From the mouths of babes, right? But so Atticus was like, no shit. Nobody should be persecuted because of their race, regardless of their black, Jewish, whatever. And Americans were super hypocritical about persecution. So another lesson we can take from this. Be more like Atticus. Explain to your children when you see things that are hypocritical in the world or when they don't make sense. And it might be uncomfortable and shitty, but you have to explain to them so that they can learn. And I don't know, I'm babbling now, but just be more like Atticus. Another book that was very generous with the hard R slur is Gone with the Wind by Margaret Mitchell. While I am not an advocate of the N-word, I would honestly be suspicious of any depiction of a Southern plantation during the Civil War that didn't use it. I mean, I would just think it was inaccurate. Yeah, just a little slice of realism. Yeah, just a little bit. Okay, so let's hop over to The Lord of the Flies by William Golding. This one was challenged at a North Carolina high school in 81 because the book is demoralizing inasmuch as it implies that man is little more than an animal. I feel pretty confident saying that this school also refuses to teach evolution because, uh, newsflash, we're animals. Do you notice that the Carolinas are doing a lot of challenging here? It was also challenged in an Iowa school in 92 because of the profanity, lurid passages about sex, and statements defamatory to minorities, God, women, and the disabled. Wait, I'm sorry, what? The disabled? Are you talking about Piggy? The fat, asthmatic, white kid in glasses is now a disabled minority? I'm sorry, women? What women? Mothers are briefly mentioned to highlight how useless the littlest kids are on the island. And Piggy talks about his aunt all the time as a reminder of how far they've come from civilization. The only disturbing thing about women in this book is their absence. Thank you, stereotypes of the 1950s. So now on to Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. In 1992, a coalition of community members and clergy in Mobile, Alabama, requested that local school officials form a special textbook screening committee to weed out objectionable things. So, dude, do you think the screening committee, like, actually took the time to read the books and process any information? 
Or do you oh. think they just looked at... <laughs> okay, so I feel like you agree with me. They probably just looked at every page scanning for, like, trigger words, like, took a Sharpie to them. Yeah, it's like that software that they use in, like, like job hunting websites that just, like, scan for keywords. They're just like, oh, oh, somebody said boob. This one's gone. To the and- fire! <laughs> Get a little Billy son of a bitch reading about this. He might learn something. So after this screening committee did what they did, uh, Steinbeck's novel was the first target because it contains profanity and morbid and depressing themes. Wait, another novel set during the Depression that was depressing? Audible eye roll. If there are any historians listening, maybe can you guys get together and work on, like, rebranding the Depression? Yeah, maybe it was the name. That's that's the problem. It, like, sets a tone for things to be depressing. It is a bummer. Yeah, let's, like, call it something else. Like, like the Roaring Twenties. Why couldn't you just have, like, the... <laughs> the Meek Thirties. But yeah, so this book was challenged but retained in an Arkansas school library in 98 because of parents' complaints that the book takes God's name in vain 15 times and uses Jesus' name lightly. Oh, 15 times? Who's counting? That was definitely a scanning thing. But what does that even mean to use Jesus' name lightly? Like, did they just call him J.C.? But anyways, who is challenged as appropriate English curriculum at an Arizona high school because of profane language, moral statement, treatment of the, and I quote, the retarded, and the violent ending? Oh my God. Just the fact that they use the word retarded means they do not give a shit about how the disabled are portrayed. They only give a shit about their moral high ground. I mean, seriously, the only people who should be complaining about this book are from PETA because of the bunny rabbits. Oh, tell me again about the bunny rabbits, George. Dude, I I think my roommate is cooking right now and maybe he's using lots of onions because my eyes are getting a little watery here with the bunny rabbits. Oh, we should take a break. You want to go to an insane asylum? Absolutely. Nothing lightens up the mood like an insane asylum. Okay, dude, to help you feel better, we can talk about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by Ken Kesey. In 1974, five residents of Strongsville, Ohio, sued the Board of Education to remove the novel. Labeling it pornographic, they charged that the novel glorifies criminal activity, has a tendency to corrupt juveniles, and contains descriptions of bestiality, bizarre violence, torture, dismemberment, death, and human elimination. Wait, I, I'm, I'm sorry. What, what is human elimination? Yeah, honestly, I still have an hour left in this book, and there have been some scenes in the bathroom, but any elimination references have been like potty humor to upset the head nurse. Most importantly, though, what exactly is being glorified? They are all detained in an asylum for the criminally insane. Even though it is very clear from the first paragraphs that we are dealing with an unreliable narrator, the primary conflicts center around control, 
showing how powerful even the perception of having it or taking it can seem. Nobody wins in this story. This one is set to expose what wards of an insane asylum face to show how shit very much was. It was not that long ago that you could end up in one of these asylums for being an alcoholic or, you know, gay. In fact, most of the patients portrayed are voluntary commitments, people who didn't fit into society and found it easier to retreat. It was challenged as part of the curriculum in an Aberdeen, Washington high school English class, honors, by the way, an honors English class, because the book promotes secular humanism. So it's safe to say that this school probably doesn't teach evolution either. So now on to Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. It was banned in Rochester, Michigan, because the novel contains and makes references to religious matters. Oh yeah? The Holocaust makes reference to religious matters? I have never heard genocide trivialized so succinctly into one sentence. Ugh. And so it was restricted at a Wisconsin high school to students who have their parental permission. <laughs> like, we wouldn't have just forged those permission slips. <laughs> like, right, Shannon? She's like the nerdiest rebel ever. I like to refer to myself as a biblio badass. <laughs> the one time I was suspended in high school was because for... A week straight, I skipped my ceramics class and snuck into the library without a pass, and I read The Princess Bride. Oh my god, you're such a badass. But anyway, so this Wisconsin high school, that they didn't outright ban it, but they said your parents need to give you permission before you can read it. This was because the language used in the book, there were depictions of torture, ethnic slurs, and negative portrayals of women. Torture in a concentration camp. That never happened, right? Right? Doesn't ring any bells. All right. So it was challenged in another Michigan school because Michigan just hates Vonnegut. But this time because of the book's language and the way women are portrayed. Uh, yeah. As a feminist, my biggest criticism of the Holocaust is clearly the treatment of women. You fucking kidding me? But so uh, another school in Virginia challenged it in 1998 because the book was rife with profanity and explicit sex. Dude, I don't remember any sex in that book. Do you? I'm actually starting to think that maybe you didn't read this book because it was straight up Fifty Shades of Tralfamador. <laughs> All right. So over in Illinois, we have a school board member that was elected amid promises to bring her Christian beliefs into all board decision making. She raised the controversy based on excerpts of the book she'd found on the Internet. Excerpts from the Internet. Read the goddamn book first. Whew. And then we have another one that made the list about a tormented Holocaust survivor. Sophie's Choice by William Styron. In 2002, a California high school library had to pull the novel after complaints about its explicit sexual content. So we're going to just ignore the whole point of the story because sex is an uncomfortable topic around teenagers who are thinking of nothing but sex. But, you know, there's no problem with the abusive relationship, mental illness, and drug addiction. And that's all from just one character. 
But anyway, <laughs> I did find though that there was a positive correlation between teenage birth rates and states who frown upon sex ed in schools. But you know, that's a totally different episode. Well, that's weird. Well, now let's take a look at On the Origin of Species by Charles Darwin. This 1859 publication unleashed a controversy that's still pissing people off today. His revolutionary theory of evolution challenged the biblical creation story and earned him accusations of dethroning God. Despite the surrounding controversy, On the Origin of Species remained uncensored in the United States all the way into the 1920s, when high school curricula started to incorporate the theory of Darwinian evolution. Until 1925 when the Butler Act was enacted by Tennessee, banning the teaching of evolutionary theories statewide. The Tennessee ban remained on the books until 1967, when the Supreme Court declared it in conflict with the First and Fourteenth Amendments. By the way, Tennessee, who has been a repeat offender on this list, reported last year that their school's literacy rate was at crisis-level lows. I think the first step might be to let the kids read books. Hmm. All right, so similar to our boy Darwin, the Harry Potter series by J.K. Rowling has also been challenged because these books are perceived by some to promote witchcraft and the occult. <laughs> in one case in Georgia in 2007, a parent asked that the Harry Potter books be kept out of classrooms, suggesting that the novels promote the practice of witchcraft and contain violent content that is not suitable for her 15-year-old daughter to read, as she was becoming inspired to try witchcraft like the characters do in the series. Oh, well, you might want to uh, burn your TV, too, just in case she catches the craft on TBS. Oh, let me guess. She had like black nail polish and wore some Doc Martens, so now she's a witch. Everybody needs to calm the fuck down. So the school board attorney presented evidence for why the novel should be kept in the classroom, noting that they encouraged children's fascination with reading and explore themes such as good triumphing over evil. The board ultimately unanimously decided to keep the books in the classroom since they have the potential to spark creativity and imagination, as well as a love for learning and reading. So that's good. No, yeah, that's awesome, because that's exactly why we have kids books. All right, now we're going to leave the classroom and talk about books that were banned just in general for their political or patriotic implications. Some of the aforementioned books, including Catcher in the Rye and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, are criticized for their disrespect for authority and societal norms. Holden Caulfield and Randall McMurphy are idolized for breaking the rules and living a life that is full of pleasures, instead of listening and adhering to traditional order. But let's remember what happens to those guys. A pillow to the face? I'll let you know in about an hour and a half when I finish the book. <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> Oh, come on. Like, you haven't seen the movie. Oh, we'll talk about that. All right. Similar in attitude to these protagonists, we've got our next leading man, Huck Finn. And just to be clear, with these next books, we are not talking about school bans. We are talking about censorship for the general public. So The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain was first published in the U.S. in 1885 and was banned by librarians in Massachusetts the same year. The book has faced further scrutiny in recent times due to Twain's frequent use of N-words and I-words, as well as the novel being described as racially insensitive and as perpetuating racism. 
It remains among the top 100 most challenged books and was listed by the American Library Association as the fifth most commonly banned book in the U.S. due to racism in 2007. Um, I, I really don't know if I have an opinion on this or if I can even defend this book because honestly, all I remember of the story is like one kid like hustled some other kid into painting a fence for him. And I don't know, there was a raft or something. That's all I really remember. So I can't really give an opinion. What do you have, dude? I have less than that because I never read this book. Oh, well then why are we talking about it? Because it made people mad. I mean, maybe it should. I don't know. Maybe I'll put it on my queue in an hour and a half. We'll get back to you on this, guys. Or you could read it and tell us. Oh, yeah. Email us. All right, dude. I'm starting to think that maybe your roommate came over here and is cooking something with onions because I'm starting to get a little emotional because we're going to talk about the color purple. Oh, dude. Why? 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 Yeah. Alice Walker gets me with this one. I've read it a couple of times. Wait, the the book makes you cry just like the movie? The movie makes me cry like from the get-go and I feel like I'm kind of just on the edge ready to let go. The book gives me a little time with exposition before I remember what's coming and start crying. Okay, this book was challenged in a California English class. Again, an honors English class in 1984 because of sexual and social explicitness. And it's Troubling ideas about race relations, man's relationship to God, African history, and human sexuality. And yes, the book does cover all of these topics, but not just for the sake of being graphic. This book is primarily about a young woman experiencing survivor trauma in an effort to gain some sort of autonomy. It is extremely important to open up dialogue about abuse, another uncomfortable but very real issue. I know I started off this section by saying we were going to step out of the classroom, but I just want to mention real quick that California currently has the lowest literacy rate in the country. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But what really blew my mind was that in 2017, this book was successfully banned from all Texas state prisons. Yes, it was banned from all Texas state prisons for explicit language and graphic depictions of violence. Yeah. Because you wouldn't want the delicate prisoners to read about violence or some bad words. You're kidding me, right? Oh, Texas. Oh, Texas. Well, here's another one. Catch-22 by Joseph Heller. It was challenged in Washington State because of several references to women as whores. Well, they didn't refer to all women as whores. They referred to whores as whores. They were soldiers in a war, and they were utilizing the services of prostitutes. So, you know, they use the word whores. As a feminist, I take no issue with that. You know what, girl? Go get that money. Times are hard. Yeah, your economy is decimated by wartime. Yeah, I get it. Do what you got to do. Yeah, you got to start paying with nature's credit card. Oh, my God. Now let's take a look at A Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess. This one was removed from a Colorado high school in 1976 due to objectional language. I don't know, dude. I kind of agree with this because I read it in high school and... Yeah, this is another one that I've read a couple of times and yeah, it's a a hard go. (laughs) 
Oh, I'm sorry. I stepped back into the classroom. What I meant to say was, in 1973, a bookseller in Utah was arrested for selling the novel. Charges were later dropped, but the bookseller was forced to close his store and relocate to another city. Nothing about this was okay. A bookseller in a free market economy in a country with the freedom of speech should not be told what he can sell. I think this may actually be the first documented case of boomers boomering. (laughs) Which apparently was a big problem in New Mexico in 2001. Because that's where they burned The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien in an ironically satanic bonfire outside of a church. So that brings us to 1984 by George Orwell. It was challenged in Florida in 1981 because Orwell's novel is pro-communist and contained explicit sexual matter. Now, if you read more than three pages into this book, you'd get that the pro-communism is just dripping with irony, and the book is very much anti-communist. All right, well, let's stick with Orwell and talk about Animal Farm. A Wisconsin survey revealed in 1963 that it objected to the words, masses will revolt. In 1968, the New York State English Council's Committee on Defense Against Censorship conducted a comparable study in the New York State English classrooms. Its findings identified the novel on its list of problem books. The reason cited was that Orwell was a communist. Nothing about the text, just about the author. Ironically, it was also suppressed from being displayed at the 1977 Moscow-Russia International Book Fair. I would love to see a list of what books were allowed to be displayed at the Moscow Book Fair in 1977. Because they actually even banned the Communist Manifesto. Which is super weird because I literally can't think of anywhere that would be more welcoming to communist texts than Moscow in 1977. But it also got banned from schools in the United Arab Emirates. The Ministry of Education banned it on the grounds that it contains written or illustrated material that contradicts Islamic and Arab values. In this text, it's pictures of alcoholic drinks, pigs, and other indecent images. I mean, aside from their pretty swift lunge towards capitalism, the pigs really weren't doing anything indecent. They were just pigs. And I guess that's bad enough. I guess they don't dig on swine. I guess they just weren't very charming. (laughs) That's a charming motherfucking pig. It seems like this book has been banned in like every country. People were not happy about anthropomorphic pigs leading a revolution. So another classic that pissed people off because of talking animals was Alice's Adventures in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll. In 1931, the governor of the Hunan province in China said animals should not use human language. It is disastrous to put animals and human beings on the same level. In 1900, Alice in Wonderland was suspended from classroom use at a high school in New Hampshire because the novel contains expletives, sexual content, and derogatory characterizations of religious ceremonies. Don't remember that. But more recently, it became controversial because of what some people thought were drug references. Because at one point, Alice meets a caterpillar that is sitting on top of a mushroom smoking a pipe. I mean, talk about the flawed white lens again. Not all hookah pipes are just drugs. Even when Jefferson Airplane sang about the book in their 1967 song, White Rabbit, they were talking about following your curiosity and 
reading a damn book to feed your head. Just because a counterculture adopted and adapted it into drug innuendo does not mean that it's what the band or the book's author originally intended. All right, I'd like to talk about one more book that pissed people off by having an animal protagonist. The Call of the Wild by Jack London was banned in Italy and Yugoslavia for being too radical and was burned by the Nazis because of the author's socialist leanings. I mean, if you're pissing off the Nazis, I feel like you're doing something right. This book wasn't simply frowned upon because the dog was the narrator, but because of the cruelty that he experiences. Although animal cruelty was commonplace in these situations, the author was accused of supporting that cruelty just because he wrote about it. He also gained a lot of criticism for his depiction of a completely fictional native tribe the dog encounters. So are we just going to forget about Manifest Destiny and the real-life atrocities committed against native tribes? So we have another scenario where a novel depicting an actual period in our history is banned because it's easier to gloss it over than to admit to it or even learn from it. We're going to wrap up our discussion with a very meta banned book, Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. It's a banned book about banning books that foreshadows what will happen if we ban books. Ironic, huh? This is another one that depicts conformity as a leisure activity. The world Bradbury created was so fast and loud and concentrated that people found the quiet of books suspicious. Why worry about the depth of love or learn how the clouds move when you can absorb three walls of mindless TV at any moment of the day? In the passage explaining how books became so dangerous to this society, the fire chief, the leader of firemen tasked with setting books on fire, talks about controversial topics leading some people to feel bad about their opinions being overlooked. And when people feel bad, they get angry. Then they start killing each other over books. Anyone else hear that as a holy wars inference? Nope. No, no, not at all. No. Okay. All right. Um, maybe just playing to the lowest common denominator and dummying society down so people are easy to control? No, no, not at all. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I misread that one then. All right, move along. Nothing to see here, folks. All right, so we've spent all this time talking about like why books are not okay for society and for kids, whatever. But like, so if that's the case, if all these classics are just not okay, then like what is okay? Like, is it okay for kids to read fairy tales? Like, I mean, look at Goldilocks. Like, that bitch was all about some home invasions. And, I mean, really, all the fairy tales include some kind of stalking or fucked up behavior. And if you know what to look for in the original versions, it's usually just some scare tactic to keep people safe at home and following the rules anyway. And that's before we even start overanalyzing the text for sexual themes. You know, and... I had asked Shannon this before, but, you know, gave her some time to think. She didn't answer me yet. But, dude, like, are there any books that if they popped up on your son's reading list for school, you would really be like, mm. I really don't think so. I feel like I would assume that the teacher has a solid plan for it. Okay. Like, what if it's, it's like Fifty Shades of Grey is on his reading list? Oh, so we're not talking about literature anymore? Then no, I also don't want him reading Cosmo yet. Uh, right, fitness to read, I hope they serve beer in hell. <laughs> oh my god. I forgot about that book. 
What a time to be alive. Anyway, go on. Honestly, up until this point, he hasn't really read anything that controversial yet. And I would like to think that if I wasn't familiar with the book, I would read it first so that I could be prepared to not just help him understand it for the grade, but to get what that theme is, to understand why the teacher assigned it and figure out why it's important. But I'm also a book nerd. So I'm guessing it would have to take something like super fucked up for you to be like, hold on a minute, I need to call the teacher. And then like, furthermore, even if like the teacher said, oh, okay, this is why it's included in my curriculum. Oh, okay, I get it, my bad. Like, I can't even imagine what would have to be so bad that you would like, call up the Hillsborough County school district and like go to a hearing and make this big stink. Like I can't even fathom anything that would make you do that. Like who has that kind of time? And all I'm thinking is now, do I have to go and buy my own pitchfork or will they (laughs) hand them out in the angry mob? You could just use those tiki torches that you have to like keep the bugs away. Like what are those called? Like citra something? Oh, yeah. The citronella tikis. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You could just use those. Like, I think they're cuter than like regular like torches anyway. I do like all that tiki stuff. Good call. Okay. You could probably even wear like, you could do like a whole theme, like a hula skirt and a tiki mask. Because like, why not? If you've got all this time on your hands, why not get festive? And not to mention that life is too short to not be weird. So yeah, if I'm going to go cause a stink at school, I'm going to get real weird with it. All right, guys, after the mob, we're having my ties at my house. <laughs> and my tiki spear will now be a limbo stick. <sighs> oh, man. But, okay, so, I mean, I, I was just asking you that just to get an idea, like, because, you know, we have these PSAs and they're pretty much aimed at some clueless dick. But, like, who is the dick that needs to learn from this? It, you know, it's not the school boards. It's not the libraries. No, it's the Karens that will put more energy into canceling something than it would take to just read it with an open mind and then see if maybe, just maybe, there's something you can gain from it. But you know what? It's not all bad news, folks. Censorship has also been addressed by the United States Supreme Court, who ruled that under the First Amendment, local school boards may not remove books from school library shelves simply because they dislike the ideas contained in those books. Well, so there is still some hope for the future. Oh, I like that, dude. I like ending on a happy note. I know we could go on and on about the ridiculous things that people have tried to ban, but we'll save that for another episode. So let's just recap. If we ignore or reject history, it will repeat itself. The lessons aren't going to disappear. We'll just keep failing. Just read the goddamn book. You don't have to enjoy it, but you should be able to explain why you didn't like it. The world can be a garbage place, and it makes sense that parents want to protect their kids. So how about instead of avoiding garbagey conversations, we arm kids with knowledge and compassion? In short, We should all be more like Atticus Finch. And most movies get the book wrong. And that's okay. Literature is art, and art invites interpretation. Except for you, director of Fahrenheit 451, I don't get what you did there with the bird. I 
I don't get the whole bird thing either. That was just, just no. But so this PSA has been for the dicks. And if this has not been your cup of tea, well, then you're probably a dick. Sorry. Email us and tell us. Tell us why. We're always open to discussion and debate. Let's hear the other side. Let's talk about it. And if this has been your cup of tea, that's awesome. You're awesome. Subscribe to us, follow us, rate us, review us, all that good shit. Links are in the show notes. And tune into our next episode where we will delve deeper into controversial topics and provide the world with more PSAs. So whether it's been your cup of tea or not, either way, thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye, dude. Bye, dude.